AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Well, apparently world peace is bad news for the grain markets. Um, The good news is we're all still here. Actually, come to think of it, no sign of flurry this afternoon. Hmm. Well, anywho, the show must go on, right? I'm going to cover all the bases today on AgriTalk with one of my favorite guests. Live from a little further away from mutually assured destruction via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll talk with the pride of Chicago from Zaner Ag Hedge, Ted Seifred. Right after the news, Todd Bubba Horwitz from BubbaTrading.com. I'm your self-taught host, Davis Michelson. Welcome to AgriTalk. I'm so glad you've chosen to spend some time with us today. I hope you are doing well. Uh, in all seriousness, Chip is traveling. He's doing a thing. So he'll be out uh, all day tomorrow. And then I will cover the uh, the free-for-all on Friday morning. And then we'll be back to see just what Chip has been up to on Friday afternoon. It'll be very exciting. You'll want to stay tuned in. In the meantime, I've got some great stuff lined up for you tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon. And especially, we're going to kick it off on a high note with Ted Seifert. Always good to talk with Ted. He can talk all these markets, and I uh, I intend to, to uh, put him through his paces and see what he's got. Uh, on the day, as I said, markets were lower, and corn not too bad, down uh, oh, a cent and a half, not quite that far uh, out into the uh, the further deferreds. Soybeans, lower meal, oil, lower wheat, lower across the board. The livestock's liked it, although that's really not much of a surprise. Uh, I've got live cattle and feeder cattle up mildly, moderately. They were up-ish. Lean hogs mixed, although you got to go clear out to the June 23 to find a lower close on the day, and that was down just 2.5 cents. So a decent performance out of the hogs today. Cotton lower in the front two contracts, but then slightly higher in the deferreds. Uh, how did crude oil do? So far, at this point, down a buck twenty-nine in the crude oil, the December contract at eighty-five sixty-three. Your heating oil is off two and a half to three sixty-one. What else? Natural gas up thirteen and a half cents. Ooh, six dollars sixteen cents. Almost six seventeen in the December natural gas. I wonder if Ted wants to talk a little energies. That'd be interesting. And of course we got Bubba coming up as well. So let me dive right into today's news, where wheat futures were under pressure as improving prospects for the Ukraine export deal eased worries over global supplies. World Weather Inc. forecasts winter weather in the southeastern U.S. plains, which will move northeastward through the heart of the lower and eastern Midwest during the latter part of next week. USDA reported a daily sale of 150,000 metric tons of hard red spring wheat for delivery to Iraq in the 2022-23 marketing year. On the day today, December hard red winter wheat futures 7 and one half cents lower, 9.55 and one half. December soft red wheat down 10 and three quarter cents to 8.17 and one half. December spring wheat closed at 9.65 and one half. That's down eight and one half cents. The wheat market continues to chase those headlines while uh, we've got till the end of this week. November 18 is the deadline for actually extending that Ukrainian grain export deal. 
It's been a little on again, off again, but it does look like talks are getting serious here. And at this point, if you ask me right now, it looks like Putin's going to extend. So there's that. And, and of course, that pressured the wheat market today. Corn followed soybeans and wheat lower amid growing confidence. A deal allowing Ukraine grain exports will be extended and easing concerns over the war escalation that boosted prices late yesterday. USDA reported a daily sale of 1.867 million metric tons of corn for delivery to Mexico. That was split between the 22 and 23 and the 23-24 marketing years. It was the fifth largest daily corn sale on record. U.S. ethanol production averaged 1.011 million barrels per day during the weekend of November 11. That's down 40,000 barrels per day from the previous week. Ethanol stocks down 894,000 barrels to 21.298 million barrels. Might get a little ethanol talk out of Ted Seifert today. December corn futures one and one half cents lower, 6.65 and one quarter. March corn fell one and three quarter cents to 6.67 and one half. July corn futures closed at 6.60 and three quarters. That's down three quarters of a cent. The soy complex encountered pressure from profit-taking following recent gains and weakness in crude oil and veg oil markets. That helped pull soybean futures lower. World Weather Inc. says Argentina, quote, needs routinely occurring rainfall to protect production potential and to maintain a favorable planting environment. Meanwhile, Brazilian weather will remain mixed over the next two weeks, although concern remains over limited soil moisture in some areas. On the technical side, January soybeans fell as low as 1428 and one quarter. That's just above support at the 20-day moving average, around 1426 and one half. January beans today, 28 cents lower, 1429 and one quarter. March beans down 27 cents, 1434 and three quarters. July soybeans closed at 1442 and three quarters. That's down 24 and one half cents. December cotton futures, 30 points lower, 88.44. On the livestock side, live cattle futures were firmer on corrective buying following Tuesday's drop to four-week lows and expectations for continued cash market strength, although the cash market has been slow to take off this week. December fat cattle, 52 and one-half cents higher, 151.80. April live cattle gained an even dollar, 157.72 and one-half. January feeders were 45 cents higher, 177.47 and one half. And on the snout side, lean hog futures were under pressure from eroding cash fundamentals early in the session, but the December contract managed to close in positive territory and above the 10 day moving average, December hogs 25 cents higher, 85.57 and one half. April hogs up 12 and a half cents, 95.62 and one half. With that, let's turn to our good friend Todd Bubba Horowitz from BubbaTrading.com. Todd, welcome to AgriTalk. Good morning. Good afternoon. How's it going, buddy? Davis, I thought you'd never get here, buddy. What's <laughs> up, baby? <laughs> well, get us started. What What do we need to be watching here? Where's your head at, bro? Uh, well, it, it, it's what I shouldn't say on air, so how's that? But uh, <laughs> the bottom, here's the bottom line, Davis. There's no buy-in. There's no liquidity. Nobody cares. And that's that's the attitude that we're living under right now. So that's what the markets are doing. You just take a look. I mean, if you looked at, at corn, wheat, and beans, they all have a solid bottom in place. $14 beans, six fifty corn, $8 wheat. And until they violate those, I think we're going a lot higher, and I don't think they're going to violate them. I, nothing really changes from week to week. The only thing that is here is that we still have, we have no buy-in, no liquidity, and very little participation, which allows 
some of the funds to keep the weight on top of these markets right now as they try to, I think they're actually trying to buy and trying to force them lower. And I think that's what you're seeing. And in the, in the meats, look, crude oil goes up, cattle's probably going to go down, crude oil goes down, cattle's probably going to go up, but I don't think they're going too far, hogs or cattle. I think they're all pretty much in a range that's, you know, let's say, you know, 10, 10, 10 cents wide or $10 wide, whatever, just going back and forth. Now, I don't think there's much action there. The action will be in the grain markets, and I think it will be significantly higher. But until we get some volume and liquidity, I don't see much happening. Grain markets didn't respond much to the sad news that uh, civilians have been killed and some stuff have been broken as a bomb fell over uh, Polish borders. Does the market not care, or do they suspect it wasn't Putin all along? No, they, the, the, the markets only care about one thing, and that's money. And they're trying to figure out where, how to make it, and, and that's what we're watching, and that's always the case. It always comes down to money, uh, no matter what. And, and, you know, tragedy, unfortunately, is a lot of times an opportunity to make money. Uh, and, you know, that, that's what you're seeing with these markets. And I think that, you know, the equity markets look brutal, but yet they try to they try to push higher. Uh, you know, on, 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 less, on, on better than expected PPI and PPI, which, again, our inflation is ridiculous. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. That number, of course, is 855-482-5524. How do you like them apples? Davis Michelson here. See, I can say it right when Chip's not around. He'll be back. Don't worry. Don't worry. He'll be fine. In fact, he may be listening. He may be listening right now. Act normal. It's your pal, Davis Michelson. Here behind the big green leafy microphone of AgriTalk, let me bring in my guest, my pal, Ted Seifert from Zaner Ag Hedge, the pride of Chicago. Mr. Seifert, welcome back to AgriTalk. Hey, buddy. I feel like it's been a while, but uh, yeah, I'm excited. Woohoo. I like it's it when been, you and I are on together. Yeah, it's been too long. Far too long. Um, I agree. Can I, uh, can I just loft a... A wide question out there, too. Well, maybe it's not so wide. I don't know. I threw it at Bubba, and I'm curious as to what you might think about it. Um, you know, a, a bomb fell over into NATO territory. And Correct. Chip and I have talked. Uh, any little stray bullet, any, you know, anything goes wrong here in some of these dicey situations, and it sets off a whole thing, potentially. Um, Domino effects, right? Right. Now, the news has, has come out that... Poland is accepting the concept it wasn't probably wasn't Russia and that it was maybe just right. an errant missile 
fired from Ukraine. Uh, all that aside, we didn't know that when the markets mm-hmm. closed yesterday, uh, or at least we, we, we didn't have that word from the president of Poland. Um, why did the markets not freak out? Uh, you know, we kind of started to, you know, you, you saw that news broke around 1220 central time. Right. And if you look at corn uh, between 1220 and 1245 yesterday, we we rallied uh, like what, 12 cents, basically. Uh, and then we ended okay. up giving a little bit of back towards the end of the day uh, because of that uncertainty and not really knowing. But, yeah, I was a little bit surprised that we weren't catching a bit into the close and, and pushing further. Um, I think without getting way too political on this show, because, you know, I don't yeah. like to do that, whether I'm guesting or hosting or whatever. Right. <laughs> um, right. But I think the market has this feeling that aside from a nuclear escalation, escalation, something like that, like on the border, you know, and <laughs> somewhat ironically hitting a, a grain drying facility. Yeah, um, that, that seems NATO, significant. Yeah, that NATO probably wouldn't escalate this into boots on the ground and join into the fight that it would be more of like a political sanction type thing more of political rhetoric uh at least that's a feeling i got at the end of the day yesterday i also think there was quite a bit of skepticism almost immediately that russia did that and because you know we had been hearing reports all day that russia had been shooting rockets into the ukraine Ukraine defense systems have been doing their best to shoot them down. You knew there was a lot going on in the airspace over Ukraine. And, you know, when you have, in the case of Europe, a whole bunch of countries on top of each other with close borders, we wanted to, I think the market wanted to hear more of the facts. We had the initial reaction with the, okay, I can't be overly short going into the close today because who knows what tomorrow morning might bring. But I don't think it brought in this flood of new buying with the idea that, okay, this is the actual escalation. I, I don't think the market really believed that at the end of the day. We wanted more time to figure it out. And, and it's good that we did because, again, it's looking more and more clear that this, this looks like it was a Ukrainian anti-missile missile um, mm-hmm. that you know missed its target. And when that happens, they carry. Right. I mean, you know, we talk we talk about home defense. Right. This is the thought I was having in my mind earlier today. We talk about home defense. Right. And we um, if you're into such things, you know, we we talk about shotguns and we talk about Mm -hmm. uh, bullets that don't travel far, i.e. Mm-hmm. hollow points or, or you know, they've got the, the kind that they use for uh, uh, that Homeland um, uses on airplanes that they just shatter when they hit something solid. Right. Um, you know, it, it's like you're using uh, uh, an AR for home defense and, and you shoot and you miss and it travels for three houses, four houses, five houses down. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's probably kind of what happened is they they went to shoot down an enemy missile that missed its target and it carried and it hit Poland. Now, my question originally was, oh, does this mean NATO turns on Ukraine or does NATO say, well, this is just, you know, something that happens? And and as far as I can tell, this is an ongoing investigation by Poland and NATO. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But to me today, after the dust literally and figuratively has kind of settled uh i think it's just going to kind of go down as uh sort of part of the war and and not 
something where NATO is going to change its stance. The United States is not going to change its stance. Um, and that's the best feeling I have on it at the moment. Again, I'm not a political analyst. I'm not a conflict analyst. Right. But at least from, from the way the market's traded today, it sort of felt that way. Now, the one thing I will say is that corn, in spite of lower crude oil and a sharp lower soybean market, uh, soybean oil really down sharply. Corn held in really fairly well, but I, I really don't think that had anything to do with Russia, Ukraine uh, missiles, anything like mm, that. I think that yeah. really had more to do with the sales that we saw this morning um, sure. on the uh, on the Daily Wire. Because those sales are certainly not isolated events over the last what two weeks, three weeks, couple weeks anyway. We've seen some pretty decent daily sales coming in. Yeah, for soybeans, yes. Um, and, and here and there for corn. It's certainly been better than, for corn than it has been in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, this was the biggest sale for corn that we've seen since the start of the marketing year. Uh, so that's good, but we need a lot more. Um, and I would also like to say that, you know, Mexico, for the most part, doesn't seem to be driven by price as much as they are by time or the calendar. I think this was just the time frame that Mexico needed to make some purchases. It wasn't really that they're sitting there looking at charts. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. I don't think so. But in the past, I've always gotten the feeling that Mexico is more driven by the calendar than they are by the charts or the actual pricing of things. So um, it's good. It's good to see. But I think it's way too early to get really excited about it. We're going to have to see a string of these. And it's got to be to just more than Mexico and Japan are two biggest corn buyers. These are the are these are our usual suspects that we know we we, we can count on them being there uh, within a certain degree of what their normal demand is. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I it's better than cancellation. Uh, it's better right. than, you know, right. not seeing sales. Um, but I hesitate to get really excited about this because, again, we need a whole lot more behind it. And unless there's a big problem with the South American crop, I'm, a, I'm not 100 percent sure that those uh, corn export sales are going to be there, Davis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any chance we in the morning show more, we've we've covered some of the murmurings from Mexico that they're going to shut down GMO imports. Any chance they're trying to front run some of that? Or do you think this is just sort of reasonable, everyday expected demand from Mexico on the on the corn? Sales? You know, you know, that's the interesting thing in, in how the breakdown of it was, because, you know, that's all we've been hearing from Mexico is that they're going 100 percent, not GMO, it, not not just uh, uh, for feed, but also for ethanol, really for everything. Um and that had been in contradict, uh, contradicting some of the things that we had earlier from them. But then here this morning, we see a sale uh, total of just under one point, excuse me, 1.9 million metric tons, mm-hmm. uh, with 1.24 of that being for 22-23, but 625,000 of that for 23-24. Right. And you got to imagine that that wasn't non-GMO corn. Right. So... What is this lost in translation? Are we taking playbook or, or pages out of the Chinese playbook or mm-hmm. say one thing, do another? I, I yeah. don't know. But but I think that's the main reason that that corn found some independent strength, uh, especially when you look out to like December 23 mm-hmm. and beyond uh, or, or certainly even in de- December 22 or March 23 wasn't as heavy as everything else was today. I think it's because. You know, even though I think most of us didn't really believe that it's possible for Mexico to go to all non-GMO, um, mm-hmm. I, I, this is sort of a, an insight into that. That yeah, that's not really a thing. 
You know, well, I mean, I, look, we know they're looking for non-GMO corn and they're going to use that for certain applications and their mm -hmm. appetite for non-GMO corn is going to be bigger than it ever has been. But I think this is sort of proof in the pudding that it's not going to be all non-GMO corn. It, it right. feasibly just can't be. Well, because you got to wonder, I mean, where, where are they going to get non-GMO corn? They, they got a guy right. we don't know about? Yeah, where, where are they going to get it? <laughs> they they kind of said that they were going to make relationships with individual farmers and in other countries and things like that in order to make that happen. But you know, I was running the math on that back when uh, you know when this was a big thing a couple months ago. Y you know, the amount of non-GMO corn grown in America is what less than five percent of the overall corn crop. Yes. Um, so basically, that means that all of the non-GMO corn that we're currently growing in, in America would have to go to Mexico. But all that non-GMO corn is already kind of spoken for. It has a mm -hmm. demand home. So we'd have mm -hmm. to double that, meaning uh, we'd have to increase our corn production by or corn acreage by at least 5%. Now, consider non-GMO corn doesn't yield as well as GMO corn. So it'd probably be more like 6 or 7% in order to mm -hmm. fill that demand. So I don't know. It's, a, it's a, a kind of a wild thing. Maybe it's something that can happen over years and years, but it's not something that's going to happen for 23, 24. And I think today's sale puts a fine point on that. Excellent. Excellent stuff, Ted. Uh, Ted Seifert from Zaner Ag Hedge. The pride of Chicago himself is my guest today. We'll have more with Ted. We're going to talk some beans and who knows what the heck else right after these words from AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. Russia spoke in favor of extending the Black Sea grain deal at this week's G20 summit in Bali, as long as more grain was sent to countries in the greatest need. The Polish president said the rocket that fell within Poland's borders was probably used by Ukrainian air defense. A communique from the G20 summit noted that there are, quote, different assessments of the Ukrainian situation floating out there. No major changes are expected from the proposed rule issued early this year by EPA relative to the life cycle analysis for products produced from canola oil. OMB began scheduling meetings on EPA's proposed rule on re renewable volume obligations for 2023 and beyond. And Britain's annual consumer inflation rate reached 11.1% in October. That's the highest since 1981. News of notice taken from the pages of Pro Farmer. Get more at tryprofarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Our name says it all. AgriTalk. What more do you need to know?
Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal, Davis Michelson, here behind the big green leafy microphone of AgriTalk. So glad you decided to join us on your favorite ag radio station or your preferred digital device. Ted Seifert from Zanarag Hedge is my guest today. We're going to get back to the conversation right after this. December hard red winter wheat futures, seven and one half cents lower, nine fifty-five and one half. December soft red wheat down ten and three quarter cents, eight seventeen and one half. December corn futures one and one half cents lower, six sixty-five and one quarter. July corn futures closed at six sixty and three quarters. That's down three quarters of a cent. January soybean futures twenty-eight cents lower, fourteen twenty-nine and one quarter. July beans closed at fourteen forty-two and three quarters. That's down twenty-four and one half cents. December cotton thirty points lower, eighty-eight forty-four. On the livestock side, December cattle were fifty-two and one half cents higher at one fifty-one eighty. January feeder futures forty-five cents higher, one seventy-seven forty-seven and one half. And December lean hog futures twenty-five cents higher today, eighty-five fifty-seven and one half at the close. That's your quick market recap. Ted Seifert, Zaner Ag Hedge. Welcome back to the uh, show, Ted. It's You know, doggone it, it's been too long. There, I said it. I'll say it out loud. It's been too long, brother. I've missed you. Me too, man. Really, yeah. really, really. You know, and I apologize. Like, you know, I, I kind of get busy doing things and whatever, and life you, just flies by, right? But You uh, don't have time I, to be fiddling around with our little radio show. We get it, bro. We're just glad to have you when we can get you. <laughs> of hey, course I do. Speaking I just, of flying, how's the car? Uh, oh gosh, yes. yes. How is the Fantastic. car? Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Oh, really, really good. I mean, I, it's sort of that sad time of year where the car goes in the garage, and unless I decide that I'm going to put some winter tires on it, which I don't, yeah. <laughs> or at least I never have. Yeah. Every year I think about it though, uh, and I was just thinking about that earlier today. But if I don't do that, I mean, it's just going to sit in the garage until until it, it cracks 50 degrees again for at least two three days in a row. So. Yeah, it'd be nice that. if you had the winter tires, yes. But just remember, not everybody has winter tires, and they're on the same road as you are, my friend. Well, yes, but I mean, Ooh. summer tires mm-hmm. are a much different thing than all season tires, uh, or no season tires, as most of us like to call them. But uh, <laughs> yes, summer tires, man, after it, it can be perfectly dry out, but once you're below 50 degrees, you're on ice skates. It is just, it's like, you know, those uh, Hot Wheel cars with the plastic wheels. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty much what you have when you have summer tires on a car and it's below 50 degrees out, especially if it's below 30 degrees out. So, I mean, I could put some nice all-season tire, all-season performance tires on there, uh, and it'd do fine on dry days. But, no, I don't know. You got in the, the meantime, you know, I've got the, I've got the, the you know, the, the rally car in a tuxedo, and, the, and the, for, you know, that's for the winter. It's, it's what it's for, and that thing's a whole lot of fun, too. It's just not quite the same, mainly because it's not stick shift, and it doesn't run E85. But uh, it's still a quick yeah. little get up and go winter car. So I, you, keep you know, your, whatever, you keep right? that hot rod in uh, climate control conditions, or uh, what's what's your yeah, procedure there? You, do you? Do you it's really? A, yeah, it's a heated garage. Yeah, that's impressive. That's impressive. Yeah, ah, yeah good for yeah. you. Um, yeah. Well, you you must make some good choices then in your line of work to be able to afford something like that. Um, how do you how do you like this corn market? Can you can you throw us a bone on uh, maybe what producers should be thinking about corn now? We're mostly through harvest. Um, you know where, where should be? How should we be positioned? You know I, I don't know if there's really any major decisions to be made in corn right now. Um, 
at least there certainly hasn't been for the last few months. You know, it, it, going back to sort of what Bubba said, I mean, there's there's whole not a whole lot of participation in the corn market because I think we're fairly mm-hmm. adequately placed based on what we know and what we don't know. Okay. You know, and, and what we know is that you know this last year's corn crop was a little bit less than what we expected because of the late season issues that we had. What we don't know is what's going to happen with this next Brazilian crop, and what we don't know longer run is what happens with demand up here at these price levels. For a while demand has been able to absorb these higher prices because of inflation. When you have higher priced products, then the things that go into making those products, i.e. feed for for beef, uh, are allowed to be at higher prices because the profit margins are still there. Mm-hmm. When inflation takes that away, then we have demand destruction. And I think that is something that is coming. It's just a question of when. But in the meantime, we do have fairly tight domestic balance sheets, if that demand is going to be there. And for soybeans, it seems like it might be because, I mean, we're really seeing the export sales uh, starting to pick up here over the last few weeks. Last week was a one-off, I suppose. But, you know, we've had some pretty good weeks and we certainly had some very good shipment weeks. Um, For corn, it's a much bigger question mark. But our corn export season is actually a little bit later in the year. So we can't say for sure that it's not there. We can't say for sure that these balance sheets aren't as tight as the USDA has been saying. until we have a much better idea of what that South American crop is going to look like. But I will contend that if the South American crop looks good because they planted a lot more acres, if they're near normal or better, mm-hmm. I, that's when I really worry that the demand destruction really occurs in earnest. But, you know, I think we're just sort of in a holding pattern until we know more about that. So well, and right now, not uh, super scary, not super scary in Brazil right now. A little dry here and there is about all I hear. And mm-hmm. other than that, mm-hmm. looks pretty OK. Yeah, we've been more worried about Argentina, but that seems to be getting better also. They're not out of the woods yet. Obviously, there's a long growing season yet for them, but the trend seems to be getting better and planting has picked up. And, you know, so there's good things happening in Argentina compared to where they were a month ago. Um, So, yeah, you know, I'm going to go back to something Chip and I talked about on stage during Pro Farmer, uh, during a crop tour Mm -hmm. uh, when we were in Spencer spencer iowa oh yeah um you know i my big contention is that you know at some point high prices are the career for high prices and after two years of historically high prices the clock is really ticking and his Mm -hmm. point was yes but you know for the moment we have this perceived global tightness in in grains the demand does seem to be there so it's it's a question of which can outlast which um yeah and to this point Chip and I have really kind of both been right because all we've done is go sideways in corn. The market doesn't really know which way to go. And at some point, this will get resolved. If we go higher, it'll probably be one last big hurrah based on a major weather issue in South America. If we don't get that big weather issue in South America, I'm going to say that the climate and the economy has changed enough that we can no longer bear these higher price uh, inputs, the higher price Mm -hmm. corn, soybean, soybean meal, soybean oil we can't bear that longer term. So if that South American crops there, I get very worried about what the downside potential is going to be going forward. If the South American crops not there. Well, then we've got a little bit of a, a little bit more borrowed time up here. But the fact of the matter is that at some point, we're not going to sustain 670, 675 corn. This is not a new plateau. This is not a new level. At some point, we will come back down to normal. And unfortunately, markets like to overcorrect and will probably correct to over normal. We'll go back to talking about an oversupply because yeah. we will have killed off demand. You know, so longer term, the outlook is not very rosy. But in the very short term, 
even though the charts kind of look like they start might be threatening to roll over every time they've done that in the recent history, they pop right back up uh, in the very short term or certainly in the last few months. All we've been doing is going sideways in very low volume because we're fairly adequately, pr- adequately priced for what we know and really what we don't know. And certainly what we don't know being the bigger thing. Well, and kind of what you're bringing together are are two points one of which has been kind of a theme over the last two weeks, maybe longer, uh, is let's not get complacent in these markets. Let's make sure and capture what we can. You know, t- I think Chip's comment was take a piece of pie when the pie is passed. But yesterday we talked to a Mike Mock who made a really strong case for not getting too far ahead of ourselves, not getting too far extended, and maybe now is, is a time for patience as much as it is to avoid complacency. Well, you know, I didn't hear what Mike had to say, so I I can't really speak to that specifically. But what I will say is that patience has been very much rewarded over the past couple of months. Yeah. Uh, Options, strategies, you know, buying puts, things like that. You've just been sitting here watching the time value fall away on those. And also volatility premium. I mean, the premiums and options have really slipped away. So owning put protection, things like that. Yes, it is a peace of mind, but it has not done well. They've not performed well. So. There's always strategies to be used and different market climates really kind of demand different market strategies. Um, And now is a time where that now that we have sucked a lot of the premium out of these these options, they're fairly Mm -hmm. cheap. So there's two things Mm -hmm. you can do now. Now you can go out and look at the puts uh, after a long period of sideways trade. That's a good time to do that. You know, buying a put spread and then holding on to the cash, hoping to sell cash higher. But if you don't get to sell cash higher, at least you have a floor in place on the board. Um, You can can sleep at night in the meantime. Yeah. But the other thing that you can do there, too, is you can actually go and make the cash sales. And then turning around and buying call options is fairly inexpensive as well. So uh, you can either you can either create a traditional put or or, uh, own a traditional put on the board, or you can create a synthetic put, which is uh, short cash, but long calls. Same idea. Um, You know, so there are a number of things that you can be doing. And after going sideways for so long, like I said, yes, maybe there's this one more big hurrah to the upside if we have a big South American weather problem. but if there's not, man, I really worry about where we're going to be in, in April, May, June, July, uh, which is normally when we'd be hitting highs, right? So, I mean, you, you got to kind of think that seasonals, when you're up at extremes, maybe don't work quite as well. And I'm kind of worried that that might be the case for this marketing year. It feels like these these comments that you've just made have been fairly well applicable to both the corn and the soybean markets from the grower's perspective. Mm. Fair? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, the, so, the the soybean market, I'm a bit less concerned about because, you know, we do have, we are seeing some pretty decent export demand happening there. Uh, and crush demand, by all means, looks like it should continue to be strong. So I'm, I'm less worried about the soybean balance sheet changing dramatically. But keep in mind, 2013, we had an even tighter balance sheet in means than 12, but they still came out lower in prices. So that's still a possibility. We could talk more about that later. Absolutely. And I, I think we should. Ted Seifert is my guest today on AgriTalk. Uh, awfully glad that you've tuned in to be a part of the conversation. Your pal Davis Michelson here in Chip's stead. We'll be right back after this quick break to finish out today's AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. AgriTalk is brought to you by the NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program, which cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today. And welcome back to it, everybody. Davis Michelson here with my guest, Ted Seifred. And Joe, um, I don't know if you can do this. I'm putting you on the spot. Can you roll that beautiful ethanol-charged uh, audio footage real quick? Like right now? Do you have it? Um, I, I got it. Do you have it? <laughs> That's what we're talking about when we talk about Ted's car, his pride and joy, his baby. Just so, okay, just for those of us who maybe missed the big explanation of the car, uh, you, yeah. you actually had some special stuff done to it. Talk to us about oh, that. Yeah. All for the all for the sake of, of burning uh, delicious uh, clean burning 85. ethanol. Uh huh. Yes, sir. Yeah. So uh, it's called a flex fuel conversion, and people that are are trying to get the most out of their car, specifically like you know performance cars, they'll go and they'll do this in order to get more power out of. Uh, it's really the cheapest way to get more power out of a car. Um, just by changing your fuel. And it's, it's really not that big of a deal. You have to, uh, plugs, wires, um, but then fuel lines, things like that all have to be able to handle ethanol E85. Uh, ethanol being an alcohol has a tendency to kind of uh, dissolve, you know, rubber and things like that. So everything's got to be stainless, which is fine. I mean, that's really what you should be running in a legitimate race car anyways. Um, and then the other thing is to get the tune right, because if you're putting an 85 in a car that's tuned for 89 uh, or 93 octane fuel, it's going to burn. It's going to be too rich of, uh, of a mixture, meaning too much E85, not enough air. You're losing some of that that uh, <laughs> you're losing some of the E85 out of your tailpipe. So you got to have a, 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 a sensor in the fuel tank to tell the computer which tune to use. Oh, I've wow. got five different tuning maps uh, oh. in my computer, meaning it'll do E10. Uh, then I think the next one's E30 or E25, E50. I don't know, but there's there's five staggered levels, and it, it chooses the co- the closest one to give it the proper fuel air mixture to get the most bang for your buck out of the fuel that you're using. And when I'm running fully E85. Uh, I get an extra 72 horsepower at the rear wheels just from the fuel that I'm using. Now, there's other upgrades that have been done to the car, too. <laughs> uh, it sounds like a jet air, airplane taking it off, does. as you can tell. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now you're making of, me want to go and behalf of corn growers across America. Or, Thank you. <laughs> yes. yes. 
thank you. And also thank you to all my, all my favorite corn growers. I mean, yeah, it's uh it's, and it's, I mean, look in an American car, American corn, American E85. Now, yeah. Yeah. You, you use yes. the term a legitimate race car. So to, can we assume then yeah. that, that you're only using it at high speeds and legitimate races, Ted? Sure. That's, <laughs> that's right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> We'll stick with no, that. James, there's, you know, there's teenagers probably listening on gravel roads somewhere. Well, Ted Cypher said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Davis, this is the third car that I've tried to build into a legitimate race car. And it's oh, the wow. only one that's been truly successful. Yeah, I had mm-hmm. done this with a, a 2012 Cadillac CTSB, which is also a very formidable automobile uh, with came with a 6.2 liter supercharged V8 uh, circa or uh, straight out of the, uh, uh, the Z06 uh, Corvette. Um, that thing was great, but the race car, it was not, it had a tendency to want the back, the back end wanted to go faster than the front end on a very regular basis, meaning it liked to awkward. spin. Even, yeah. even if you're not on a turn and you punch the gas, uh, you would get some rotation happening there. It just, mm-hmm. it, the chassis of that car and the weight and the high center of gravity couldn't really handle a whole bunch of additional power. Um, it made for a very scary, also maybe fun drive, but it wasn't something that you were going to go put down monster laps on a track. Sure. A Camaro ZL1, on the other hand, even though it's on the same underpinning, the GM Alpha uh, platform, it's much lower to the ground. Its center of gravity is much lower to the ground. It is two and a half inches wider. It is a, it is a built race car just out of the box. And then you mm-hmm. go ahead and you add another 200 horsepower to it. And all of a sudden you are like. Yeah. Now you really got yeah. something. Yeah. Oh gosh, yes. Now you're running shine across the border. Yes, sir. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well um, but before we go, because time's a wasting here on us. Um yeah, yeah, we were yeah. kind of talking about um the your take on the corn market sounds pretty like a pretty healthy take for the soybean market, but there was some differences. We were kind of starting to get into those. We talked about, yeah. you know, what sort of strategy you, you might sort of favor for corn. Give us a little on your strategy for soybeans right now for our farmers who are listening. Yep. I mean, the only thing I really want to say about it, because I know we have short time, is, you know, I, I look at the soybean balance sheet by itself and I say, wow, that's really fairly bullish. It's just as bullish as the story that we've had for the last two years. And I say, well, I have a really hard time being as bearish soybeans as I do as maybe corn, even though, I, again, I can't be terribly bearish corn yet until we know what's going on in South America. But I don't know. My, my thought is that eventually I'm going to be really rather bearish corn. The soybeans, the thing I have to remember is that even though the balance sheet for soybeans is probably a lot more friendly and it could remain really rather friendly through the end of the marketing year. Go back to 2013 when we when we collapsed off of our 2012 highs. Soybeans didn't come down as hard as corn because they had a, an even tighter balance sheet than, than 2012, but they still came down a very significant amount. So you have to realize that risk is there, that even if the soybean balance sheet doesn't get more bearish than it is right now or less tight than it is now, we could still see lower prices. And I still think you need to go in and protect the downside there of soybeans because we do have really very good prices right now. Is there an easy way to get a hold of you that you can put out to the listeners right now real quick? Yeah, I mean, my my direct line is very public. It's 312-277-0113. You can also find us on the web at www.zaner.com. And I'm also on the Twitter. I'm at the Ted Spread. At the Ted Spread, Zaner.com. Uh, dude, it's, it's been far too long, and I appreciate you kind of taking some wide loops with me here. 
on today's no show. Um, I, I really appreciate your thoughts, and uh, it's it's not going to be quite so long between times that you and I talk, if if you're down for that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. I don't know if it's your kind of thing or not. 100% down, especially if you keep playing the uh, the car clip. I, I, I can't say no to that. We got yeah. him. We got him, Joe. We got him. He's in. I'm addicted, buddy. I'm addicted. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, uh, tomorrow morning, um, we're, you know, to be honest, we're kind of still working on tomorrow morning's guests. I think we got Phil Flynn, right, Joe? We got. Yes. Yes. Okay. We'll start there. Uh, Josh Linville. Back. Josh Linville, of course. We'll talk fertilizers tomorrow morning uh, at 10.06 Central Time. Be here for more live agri-talk. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night.